The flyover state sports show is for a mature audience. It contains strong language and adult situations. We do not own the rights to any audio of the podcast. Viewer discretion is advised. Is this on? Everybody and welcome in to an episode that is going to be filled of nothing but yes and being correct because that's what I'm going to be today because there is nobody here to tell me that I'm wrong. It's just me, Gavin, here on the Flyover State Sports Show. I'm going to cover the, I don't know, I think the divisional round of the playoffs. I'm going to go through each of the four games, what mattered. I'm going to talk some K-State basketball. I'm going to talk some just things that bother me because this is my episode here and I want to get things off my chest that uh, the government and higher entities do not let me get out. So with that, we're going to just go straight into it. No lollygagging around, no nothing. We have the Eagles just beating the utter living shit out of the Giants. Game was never close. It never felt close. Uh, This game was actually a kind of weird end-around way of... uh, You know, the Eagles figure out, all right, Jalen Hurts is probably completely recovered from this shoulder injury. Um, The Eagles are who we thought they were. In fact, on our last episode, if you remember, um, we we almost were – I almost wanted us to stop from discrediting the Eagles, talking about, you know, we have this Bengals team, blah, 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 and this Bengals game is everything. Like, well, yes, the Bengals game is really important, but the Eagles, in my opinion, are and have been for this entire season the best team in the NFL. They have no holes. And they look like that against the Giants. Um, Jalen Hurts is throwing to one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. They have a great offensive line. They have a good offensive scheme. They have one of the best coverage units in the NFL. I don't care what Beans thinks. They have uh, one of the best front sevens in the NFL. It's just they're they're good everywhere. And um, it looked like that the Giants, um, good on Brian Dable, good on Daniel Jones for uh, getting it this far. Um, it really just looked like they kind of ran into a buzzsaw. Not much they can do. It's uh, a great story. At the end of the day, the story is just not enough to help them get over the Eagles. I do not want to play the Eagles when we go to the Super Bowl. And the team that the Eagles will be playing was the San Francisco 49ers, who beat the Cowboys in a much, much closer game. Um, this game, we can spend a little bit more time on because it has been one of the major talking points of sports radio. Obviously, you have... Um, the Brock Purdy story, the man out of Iowa State, the guy that came to Manhattan, um, made K-State fans sad just two years ago. We have Breeze Hall and you have Brock Purdy on the same uh, same team. And I, I don't really know how I feel about it. Um, Brock Purdy is a pro-ready. He is a very capable quarterback to run an NFL offense. That's exa- exactly what he's doing right now. Kyle Shanahan and that system has been talked about for years. I don't really need to even go into... Um, detail on that but what I do want to talk about and I'll dive into much greater detail on this later um these weapons for the 49ers are incredible uh Brock Purdy just doesn't have to do a whole lot when you're throwing to Debo when you're throwing to Brandon Ayuk who in my opinion is one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL um he's actually kind of him being one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL over the past year has kind of made him 
rated correctly, just rated. Like, he's <laughs> he's been brought up on so many, like, give respect to this guy that, like, people are actually starting to do it, which is cool. Um, Obviously, they acquire CMC midway through the year, and you have uh probably the Planet Earth tight end one in um Travis Kelsey. Or Jesus Christ. Well, it slipped out the way it was supposed to for all the people that were yelling at me. Uh, Planet Earth tight end one, one is probably George Kittle. Sorry, Travis Kelsey people. But I slipped, had a Freudian slip, and said Travis Kelsey anyway, so there you go. Uh, point is, Brock Purdy has a good offensive line, great weapons, great system. He's just the engine behind everything there. And in a really kind of funny uh, twist of fates, the man on the other side who has been the... Uh, I don't want to say trailer, but has been a part of a lot of great teams, um, mostly just great rosters with a lot of weapons, a great offensive line, a great running game, and Dak Prescott. And that's kind of coming to an end now. Um, you can, on one hand, look at it as like, well, they made it to the divisional round and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but at the end of the day, Dak throws two back-breaking intersect- interceptions. They don't have weapons, uh, the weapons that they used to, I should say. Um, Dak has always been a quarterback. That's kind of been a some of his parts. QB um, been vocal about that on this show. The is the real issue with the Dak conversation is you can say Dak sucks. That's what sports radio is. He either sucks and he's like un- just not even a starting quarterback should be starting, or he's better than Patrick Mahomes. There's no in between. The reality is there is an in between. Dak somewhere in there. Is he worth the contract? Is he worth being like a top five or close to that paid quarterback right now? I think he's number six in the NFL. Probably not. But if you don't pay Dak and you don't have Dak, then um, you probably have worse than Dak. He's probably a top eight quarterback in the NFL right now, somewhere in that list. We're actually going to create a list for list season coming up before the draft here soon. But um, the... Dak just kind of put the Cowboys in a really weird spot. I understand why they'd pay him, but here's the reality now is you have Dak on an overpaid contract. You have a running back, Zeke, on a massively overpaid contract. He he looks so terrible in that game. And you lose Tony Pollard, and then you just kind of figure out that like this uh, great roster, this team has just slowly been eroding as more and more money is devoted to a above average a pretty good quarterback um but that pretty good quarterback needs weapons and i hats off to Dak he does a lot for the Cowboys but i think the majority of um media and the majority of NFL fans are coming around to the idea where i've kind of been for a while of like well he's really really good and he's a quarterback that you certainly i 75% of the NFL would want for their teams because they want to be better than where they currently are at quarterback. But Dak is also just not able to compete with that upper echelon of quarterbacks without a significant supporting cast beyond them. We talked about it on this podcast about them getting rid of Amari Cooper. Finally ends up biting him in the ass here. I don't know if I'm the Cowboys, what I do to dig out of this. We have a whole offseason to talk about it. But I... Cowboys defense is actually retaining Dan Dan Quinn now. Um, that was just announced today, or it appears that way. So, and I, the Cowboys defense plays well in this game. This is a 49ers offense that has been explosive, that has put up a lot of points throughout the playoffs in the last couple weeks of the season, oddly led by <laughs> Brock Purdy. I can't believe I'm saying this about a Brock Purdy team, but here we are. And the Cowboys defense got to him. They got some pressure to him. Brock Purdy didn't really have any back-breaking mistakes, which is um, really, really impressive for a rookie quarterback. I don't care what system you're in. 
But um, Cowboys defense plays well. The offense just simply couldn't. They couldn't generate enough offense to. I'm, that, that's really all it boils down to. They can't generate enough offense to beat a um, down and held back 49ers offense. And yeah, I 49ers Eagles uh, for this next weekend. Or I think the Eagles pull it out. I think we see that Brock Purdy limitations finally just. Now, now instead of playing multiple rosters or multiple teams with a bunch of holes, you're playing another team that also doesn't have any holes, except at the end of the day, one team is starting Brock Purdy and the other team is starting an MVP candidate in Jalen Hurts. Uh, coming into this game, you would have heard a lot of people, and I mean a lot of people, you know, well, we, we haven't seen Jalen Hurts play well in the playoffs and he looked bad in that game against the um, Tampa Bay last season. Well, he just beat the Giants 38-7. to Wins aren't a quarterback stat. Jalen Hurts played really, really well in that game. So that narrative's gone. Um, Jalen Hurts is absolutely being pulled up by the supporting cast. We'll get into that later. Uh, but the point is, you, you got an MVP candidate versus Brock Purdy and basically a wash arguably everywhere else. Um, that's what it feels like on paper to me feels like the Eagles are the eventual Super Bowl team, just as predicted by yours truly. That's right. There's no one to tell me that I'm wrong. Uh, I don't want to move on to Kansas City yet. We will go back to the other game with the Bengals beating the Bills 27-10. to um, Sorry, Josh Allen. You're, I, as much as the world wants you to be Superman, you not being able to be Superman is actually making some people believe that like the Bills should think about this contract think about where we are now that's it's this reactionary sports world we're in that that is retarded there's a lot of retards in today's world but but here we are bills this contract is starting to add up um you're looking to the future now you're out of the playoffs and you're saying well like fuck this this was a what we thought was a great roster and i think that we coming into the year and um, throughout the season, probably overrated how great this roster was. It's a very, very good roster, don't get me wrong, but um, the weapons are lacking. Stephon Diggs is great, but you got one weapon. We've seen that uh, like in a system like Green Bay, just kind of like be awesome. It can take you a long ways, but you, you got to have multiple, multiple dudes that the defense has got to try to take away in order for you to just have this unstoppable offense, unless when we get to Kansas City, we'll talk about that. Um, Josh Allen, everything's put on him. I You kind of feel bad for him at times because there's just there's no gimmies. There's nothing that this scheme does to try and help him out. You have a guy like Stephon Diggs that is just a like proven one of the best route runners, one of the best overall receivers in the NFL. But when the defense can shift everything his direction and Dawson Knox, your Gabe Davises, your whoever, Khalil Shakir's of the world, just can't quite do it, it your margin for error is just so tiny there. And you saw it. The Bills in this game just um, – the, the Bills didn't even really beat themselves. They just weren't capable of beating the Bengals. They punted. They would turn over on downs. They just weren't capable of moving the ball against a very good um, yet – 
seemingly always overperforming Bengals defense. As you move to the other side of the ball, this is still a very good and performing, I guess, to their talent maybe, Bills defense, but the Bengals moved the ball enough. The Bengals scored 27 points. Every single time they got the ball, they put together a drive, they'd execute a long drive, and in a field goal, and in a touchdown, whatever they needed, they seemed to not get whatever they wanted all day, but were able, able to move the ball, were able to generate points and do things that the Bills just simply weren't able to. Um, We're going into now this Bengals versus Chiefs AFC Championship game again. Um, I got to take a deep breath before I get into this eventual, you know know what's coming. We've already talked about it on this podcast, the Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes debate. I mean, we're we're taking videos at press conferences, zooming in on Patrick Mahomes' uh, ankle as he's walking out to show that there's no limp at this point. Um, I don't want – I. it's been talked about to the point. I just don't want to talk about it. I do want to emphasize, though, um, Joe Burrow is – Joe Burrow is awesome. Joe Burrow is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Um, I think Zach Taylor gets a lot, a lot of shit for – uh, putting together what has been a great run. I, everybody's going to be listening to this saying, you know, oh my God, but he's got Joe Burrow. Like, what is he really doing? Like, well, he's he's keeping that locker room together. There's a lot of things that he does that half of the coaches in the NFL to maybe three quarters of the coaches in the NFL seemingly can't seem to do. So I give Zach Taylor credit for that. And I mean, at the end of the day, um, if you're going to tell me I can't give Zach Taylor credit because of Joe Burrow, how much credit deser- deserves to go to Jamar Chase? How much credit deserves to go to T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon? Just And an offensive line that, as much shit as it gets, it's not just horrific. It's not unplayable. Um, they are not good. Don't give me that. Don't Or don't get me wrong, but they are passable. And that's... If you got passable, you can make it by at offensive line, especially when you got the weapons that the Bengals do. Joe Burrow's awesome, but I have a hard time just like uh, when we get into conversations like Patrick Mahomes versus Joe Burrow. Let's see Joe Burrow get rid of Jamar Chase because they don't want to pay his contract. Very, very similar to Tyreek Hill having to leave the Chiefs. And you see a just non-drop-off in Patrick Mahomes, which is one of the most incredible and like best um, indicators of a Hall of Fame of a one of the best to ever play at the position quarterbacks I've ever seen. Um, I I really want to get this off after I have uh, Andy Reid deserves just as much credit, deserves all the credit in the world. But what he and Patrick Mahomes have done together, evenly split the pie, however you want to do it, they are both incredible. They are generational. We, we as Kansas City Chiefs fans are so fucking lucky to have these two dudes here at the same time being able to work with each other. is just this, this perfect marriage of all of the bullshit, the just complete and utter disregard to what like logical football should look like by Andy Reid because it's just going to work. Whatever I've talked about on this podcast so many fucking times and it pisses me off and I'm pissing myself off just thinking about it. But he's just going to get – players will be open. There will be throws there. There will be more 
I've never seen a quarterback get more just like easy shit given to them than what Patrick Mahomes gets. We don't just like we don't run a red zone offense like any other team. Instead of this jet sweep or instead of hands off to the running back, everything is a forward pass. It is a tap pass. It is whatever the fuck we want to do to just keep this engine of this Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense running, putting up stupid numbers because we can't just throw a screen pass out into the flat. We can't lateral something out. It has to be we have to do this twirl at the line of scrimmage. There's always that little just thing added by Andy Reid that all the football people love and I'll give them credit for that. I like that stuff. I think we spend far too much time working on that stuff in practice. But I mean while teams are hint just the tiniest things in the world, like uh, quarterback taking a snap, turning around and handing it off uh, t- backwards on a jet sweep or si- uh, to a running back running by, Patrick Mahomes is doing that tap pass. He's getting that passing touchdown that other quarterbacks aren't getting. That's helping inflate his numbers, but then when the system breaks down, when that throw just happens to not be there and the shrub is actually covered downfield, that's where Patrick Mahomes comes in. That's that extra, that last 20% that needs added to the system that quarterbacks like Alex Smith that put up great numbers in this system but just couldn't quite get over the hump in the big games. That's the shit that Patrick Mahomes adds. The bullshit running around like Jack Sparrow with the music playing in the back of his head because he's not worried. He knows that no matter how fast the dude chasing him is, Mahomes is just faster than him because stats don't matter. Speed doesn't matter. NGS data doesn't matter. 40 times don't matter. I am going to run around and do a bunch of bullshit and then eventually, if I do that long enough, someone will get open because defensive backs just can't track tight ends that long. It's wonderful. Chiefs fans, you should be happy Um, as we talk about all this greatness and I talk about Mahomes running around and doing bullshit. It's a lot harder to do bullshit when you only got one functioning ankle. Um, It's sad to see something like that happen. You obviously want to see the Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes at their height. Just think about the Buffalo Bills, the Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes game last year um, in the playoffs and how outstanding, aesthetically pleasing to my eyeballs that game was. You, you want to see that as fans of the game, as uh, Chiefs fans, obviously, because we win, uh, or won that game, but we're not, we're not going to get that here. I, having that expectation going in is just incorrect. It's wrong. It's, that's the bullshit that's going to lead you to the conversation over the offseason of like, well, is Mahomes really that good? Like, just get your expectations in the right spot. This team would have struggled to beat the Bengals. When I say struggled, like we've historically struggled to beat the Bengals. It's a team we don't match up well against. We would have had a tough time beating the Bengals because they are a great team with a healthy Mahomes. We don't have a healthy Mahomes. Andy Reid's going to get us a lot of, lot of the way there, but we're talking about a quarterback that struggled to throw into screen passes at times last week against the Jags. Don't hold Mahomes to the regular Mahomes Mahomes standard. We're going to have to win this game other ways. We're going to need other players to step up. We saw that in the Jags game. Again, though, uh, I know Sam and I have been a lot more critical about this than Beans has on this podcast about how um, well, how good this roster actually is. And here, here's the test for him. I mean, this is the moment. Or not, you know, one game sample size, who is right and everything. But if Beans and... A lot of the rest of Kansas City Chiefs fans are correct, and these rookies really are what we hope that they can be, and the rest of this roster is what we hope it can be. This is where you got to prove it. And the 
the really sad and deflating part about all of this is the reality that if everything does go correct and we hit the high end of variance of play from a lot of the other players on this roster, somehow beat the Bengals for the first time, and Stephen A. Smith and other assholes on ESPN can shut their mouth, then you got to go do it again against the Eagles, who are probably, in my opinion, better or just as good as the Bengals. And that's that's a tough ask, asking the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl in a year like this um, after losing Tyreek Hill and doing a, a kind of reset of the roster type, and this is the first year of that reset. Um, it's a tough ask. You should be happy to be here. Obviously, we've only got Mahomes. We've only got Andy Reid for a certain window. you got to take these opportunities. Um it sucks to see an injury in the playoffs to Patrick Mahomes, where we also saw an injury in the playoffs to um, our entire offensive line two years ago. But I want to quote something that Sam and I said after that Bengals loss last year. And I was actually in the stadium for that Bengals loss um, last year. And it was it's that realization that like, well, these windows are not forever. They're, they're finite. You got to take those opportunities when they're there. And this this conversation is not for this is why we're so critical about this team, about Kansas State, about teams that we like, even when they are doing things well. Because when you get into those situations, when you get into those big games, you gotta be able to do what you need to do to win those games. That being said, Kansas City didn't in that Bengals game last year. There really wasn't a reason for it either. And that that's the sad part. That's the you all those lessons you learned throughout the year have got to come together. Like your I've talked about it so much on this podcast. While it's such a cool thing and football guys are going to go crazy about it, they're going to ram their heads against the clipboards when they go into the locker room in celebration because Travis Kelsey ran to space on the 13-second drive to go win against the Bills, and that's what good football players do. They just figure it out. Like, well, I've said this multiple times. While that's all great, fine and dandy and everything, it's not a replicatable strategy. It's not something that works every week, and shit like that is the reason why we didn't beat the Bengals that next week. I don't know why. If you could just run to space every play, maybe Travis Kelsey should just run to space all day against the Bengals on Saturday. Fuck, maybe that's what he does, but he should have done that last year also when we had a better team, arguably. And my... I. No, we had a better team last year. So I don't want to be the Debbie Downer here. I just want people's expectations to be in the right spot because it's going to be a long offseason. And this Chiefs team is going to get better over the offseason. Rookies are going to develop. We're going to bring in more players. I don't think that there's really a lot of high-end talent that's going to be leaving this roster over the offseason. Um, Travis Kelsey gets a year older, yes. And that's um, that's sad. You need to enjoy Travis Kelsey while he's here as well. But I want to use that also to kind of transition um, transition us into a overview of the NFL, where we're at right now. Um, this Kansas City team is one of the only, it's the only team left in the playoffs that arguably, um, in my opinion, one of the, the only team left that won, just doesn't have a absolutely going to like tear you apart weapon on offense. I'm not including Mahomes or like quarterbacks in this. I'm saying supporting cast to their quarterbacks. Look at the teams that won. Look at the Eagles. You have A.J. Brown. You have Dallas Goddard. You have Devonta Smith. You have a great running game, offensive line. We've talked about this forever. The Bengals beating the Bills. We just talked about their receiving core. The 49ers, we talked about how much of a passenger um, Brock Purdy is and comparing to a passenger across from him in Dak Prescott who just didn't have the weapons, didn't have the offense that he – the offensive uh, – 
scheme, weapons, whatever you want to say, that he has in the past. And now this uh, Kansas City team is left. I know a lot of people are going to be saying Travis Kelsey. I think Travis Kelsey is um, very, 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 very good. I just think at the tight end position, there's a lot of things that have to be done to help get that production that wide receivers just don't seem to have to do. Um, that's just my opinion. That can be proven wrong, whatever. Pat, uh, Travis Kelsey is still absolutely the number one receiver, the number one weapon for the Kansas City Chiefs. I just don't think he's on the A.J. Brown on the level of those other offenses I just referred to. And at the end of the day, what is their past Travis Kelsey? That's that's the brilliance in Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid I was talking about because I don't have a I don't have a great answer for that. How the Chiefs are doing this? I've I've asked Beans to make this make sense the entire year, but as the Chiefs go into the offseason, regardless of what happens in this game, um, we got however many eight years, hopefully more left of Andy Reid and Travis or Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Excuse me. The, the teams that are winning in the NFL, the teams that are good, they're figuring it out on defense. They're piecing it together, but they have got just a, they've got the horses on offense that it takes to hit the high end, hit the high end of offense required to win in the NFL nowadays. And I don't, I don't want to say that to just disregard defenses or whatever. The reality is it's hard for both sides to play defense. Given the, the rules in today's game, you need to help your quarterback out as much as physically possible. Talked on this podcast about how I'm just, I'm not, I'm no longer evaluating quarterbacks. I refuse to do it in situations where there's just, it's impossible for them to win. It's where we're talking about the difference in quarterbacks here. Like, how, how do we compare how well Dak Prescott or how well Brock Purdy played over just the snaps of a couple, um, over one playoff game? And the reality of it is you can't do that. It's a sum of multiple seasons. It's a, we, we believe Dak Prescott is a good quarterback because he's played pretty well, really well, however you want to put that, for multiple seasons and had a good roster around him and been part of good teams, blah, blah, blah. Brock Purdy, obviously, is, he's, he hasn't given us a bad data point yet. That's probably coming. But you get my point here of um, we don't need while we don't need to be overreacting to every single week in the NFL, there's absolutely a theme of the teams that are advancing, the teams that are left, are they, they, they've got what it takes on offense and the scheme and the ability to use those weapons that uh, they can hit the high ends of, they can move the ball, they can score points, they... I, I don't want to say you just can kind of like figure out defense and piece it together, but this isn't a good Chiefs roster. On paper, is not a good Chiefs roster, and our defense, while it's not great, all we really need to do is just create those couple of stops necessary for the Chiefs offense to do what they have done for over the past couple of years, and that's just be one of the best and most efficient offenses in the NFL. It's an interesting thought exercise for us. But in a year where offense has got harder than ever to go, the defense uh, defenses around the NFL co- commit to more cover too. Basically just like, um, what's the word, begging offenses or daring offenses to um, move the ball, to work the ball down the field instead of just gifting them free plays that are easier to get with a single high safety. The defenses are making offenses work work for it more now. And you saw that just evident across the NFL as it got it got significantly significantly harder to piece together long drives to piece together these um or it it is harder to piece together long drives I should say I guess you uh 
this like speed spreading the ball out getting big plays offense that just kind of bails you out of having to execute for 10 to 15 plays in a row is something that the NFL ha- NFL offenses have just like loved over the past five years maybe even the majority of the decade now you're asking quarterbacks like Derek Carr you're asking guys that just don't have the offensive roster like the Rams and Matthew Stafford to work the ball down the field and execute for multiple plays without just a drive killing sack a holding penalty or whatever and that has kind of I don't want to say um, it's shifted the power to these uh, offenses that are just complete these have I don't want to say no holes but the fewer fewer amount of holes and just have the fucking weapons that it takes um, with that, um, I don't really have a good transition. I just wanted to talk about that. I think it's really interesting. I'm happy that the NFL playoffs have got to the point that they are where we have the four best teams left. Um, it, it really feels like that in my head. Obviously you can argue about the bills, but it's hard, it's hard to put the bills into that conversation when they're playing their worst football towards the end of the year. Um, at the end of the day, I think that the Bengals beat the Chiefs. Um, Chiefs fans aren't going to like to hear that. I'm sorry. This Bengals team is just really, really, really good. It's nothing against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, eventually, this Bengals team is going to be in a similar situation to the Chiefs where they aren't going to be able to pay Jamar Chase and T. Higgins probably. And if they do that and they, for whatever reason, decide to do that, then that offensive line and the defense actually becomes an issue. That's the This Bengals team, is they're absolutely in their Super Bowl window, and they're probably going to make their second one in a row, maybe even win one. I don't think they'll do it. They'll be beat by the Eagles. I want to talk about the greatest basketball team in the state of Kansas. Um, I, know, I know Sam's rolling his eyes right now. No, I'm talking about a, I'm talking about a top 10 team. This, this Kansas State basketball team, um, surpassing all expectations, Anything that you could have possibly hoped for this year has been blown out of the water, uh, given reasonable expectations. Um, the I was actually um, just kind of personal anecdote here. I was listening to the game this last weekend, um, working on my house here, and listening to the game on the radio, and you could hear uh, Sandstorm come on as we went to the break. And you know, I'm I'm in the bedroom. It's a hard-fought game this last weekend um, against Texas Tech. Um, a me- it was a mental test for all the players, and that was something I'd kind of questioned about this team. It was really, really cool to see them fight back against that. But to watch the uh, fans over the course of the year become more involved, um, you saw Jerome Tang at football games. You saw this guy just, like, building hype, building um, a- I don't- awareness. I don't know, lack of a better word there, uh, a- around K-State basketball. And now you, um, to, to me, I don't, I, I, I have the, you know, you get sentimental about a moment like Sandstorm being played at a uh, K-State basketball game. But the the moment that I heard that come on and, you know, you start giggling inside because you think you know what's, ha- what's coming here. And a week after hearing the the chant um, when we beat K-State in Manhattan, or beat KU in Manhattan, and Tang comes out and... The he's, he's still talk. We're we're literally chanting obscenities about a rival at a game, and he comes out of the game talking about love and happiness and just so the, all of the the right messages of supporting this team. That's what matters. And you go you go to the next game here, like just just under a week later, and 
the the sandstorm is played almost as like this test to the students like have you learned something and for the first time in each of these college students academic careers they did learn something they pick up the fact that holy shit this this dude this tang dude is legit i respect the fuck out of him i might not even agree with what he says all the time but you know what i'm here to support the university of kansas state and their basketball team and that was what the the student section did. That was what Bramlage Coliseum did. It was you could hear the chant loud and clear over the radio. It was incredible. I ran to my TV and turned on the game, um, just to like experience that moment. The KSU chant going in Bramlage during Sandstorm. It was like the combination of the greatest things from K State over the past decade, all in one moment. I was so proud of the students. I was so proud of this basketball team, this program. It feels like from where where we've came and I'm I'm going to pick on Sam here he's got, he's 100% correct for this his uh pin tweet on his twitter I sorry I think it's at all day long 15 on twitter has always has been the loss to Wichita State that just demoralizing um at, or Fort Hayes sorry not Fort Hayes game Jesus Christ yes the demoralizing Fort Hayes loss just losing to a division 2 school in your own state how terrible that feels and where where this program was down in the mud to where we are now experiencing that moment experiencing this team this is a top 10 team anybody i think sam has pushed back on this podcast about uh unreasonable expectations with this team nobody's expecting this team to win a national title if you are like let's yes pump the brakes to you but for the majority of k-state fans Jesus Christ, I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to have Tang. I'm happy to have I'm happy to have this team. I'm happy to have excitement around half of the sports calendar year in Manhattan again. And I'm happy to be exceeding expectations. Now, my expectations from the beginning of the year are we're, we're more than halfway through the basketball season. We're uh number 1 or competing for number 1 in the Big 12 now after the lost Iowa State. Um and I I expect this team to be competing for a Big 12 championship, but that that's just fun to even think about. From where we came in at the beginning of the year, how exciting that is to just think that this team that was picked last and to finish last in the Big 12 is even like a in the conversation, let alone leading the Big 12. Um I'm so I'm so fucking happy to be here. My expectations the rest of the year for this team are just just that I want to compete for a Big 12 title. I'm not going to be mad if we don't win it at this point. Um and I want I want to win a tournament game. I just want like we're gonna go. We'd have to have a massive implosion, knock on some massive fucking wood here that I got, and we aren't gonna hopefully implode. Let's go win a tournament game. And I just we have a great recruiting class coming in. The hype around K State sports right now, from football to basketball, with the personalities that we have leading both programs, the people that we have leading both programs, is just incredible. I can't speak enough to it. I can't speak highly enough about it. I am so goddamn excited. I want you to tweet at us. I want you to tell us how excited you guys are. We are we uh, be being Sam and I and Sam and I especially went through a uh, school and school at Kansas State through this really weird pro uh part where we had we were there for the 2012 season. We were there for this really good run of basketball. Um and I actually was not there for the uh the like Kentucky game and that uh Barry Brown and Dean Wade, Kamal Stokes, that class that went through Kansas State. I was um 
running in junior college at that point in time. But when and when I got to K State, that was kind of when the football team went through this lull. This uh, you get you get the COVID year in there. You get the couple down years of Skylar Thompson with high expectations. Um, you get the basketball team just kind of falling apart after that big class. And so you'd seen this where where the program could be, and I'm just. It makes me so happy to see, as a very young fan, all the success this program saw and just kind of K-State becoming this uber, uber important and um, major part of not only my life, but just the life of apparently, I mean, we're literally the flyover state sports show. We're referred to as just this, like, nothingness out in the vast desert desert of western uh, Kansas bullshit here. Uh, That's a part of every Kansas livelihood it's what we got that's uh one of the things that we can cling cling to and be happy as a kansan you want to be happy about uh all your shit on the east coast we have our kansas state wildcats and we're gonna fucking love that and we're gonna support them and that makes me very 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 happy to think about um oh god i'm i'm jack now i'm ready to run through a brick wall um i don't really have much else to uh, talk about here i do want to talk about one uh I know there is a hot, a hot take that I will share for Sam um, since he's not here this week, and I'll give him complete credit of it, even though me and him came to the <laughs> – me and him had the same exact thought. Uh, <laughs> this, this ankle injury to Patrick Mahomes is going to make our offensive line seem like it's playing so much better. And like, <laughs> I, I've came on this podcast and talked before about how like offensive line play can be really, really, really uh, affected by quarterback play. You know, you hold the ball that long or you, um, looking at you, Patrick Mahomes, scramble out the back of the pocket or vacate the back of a clean pocket just because, whatever. Uh, our offensive line, uh, according to PFF, you make fun of them whatever you want, um, according to various sources, very, very, very good at what they do, especially when it comes to run blocking, a little bit less so when it comes to pass blocking, but still a very good offensive line in their own right. Um, Orlando Brown's a dude that gets a lot of heat, um, rightfully so for the trade we gave him and um, all that. Like That's a different discussion, but still a very good tackle. Um, but Patrick Mahomes vacating out the back of clean pockets and doing his bullshit, while it's great, while it's outstanding and everything, it... I can't stand the amount of Chiefs fans I just hear just casually going around talking about, you oh, know, but but our offensive line, it's like, okay, well, when Patrick Mahomes three seconds into the play is standing where the slot receiver started the play, like that's probably a quarterback issue because I don't expect the offensive line to be blocking for the slot receiver. Like, it's, this uh, Patrick Mahomes runs around. That's a part of our offense. That's great and everything. But uh, he can't do that with his ankle injury. He's... I don't want to say just confined to the pocket, but wouldn't it be the funniest thing in the world if Patrick Mahomes just kind of like backed his way into being a good pocket passing and better quarterback overall? If he learned to have some patience, if he learned to just maneuver around in the pocket instead of just scrambling around with his bullshit, keeping his eyes downfield the entire time, uh, getting the ball out, and <laughs> because he can't move around. You take away one of his uh, best components and everybody think like oh that's gonna make this team a lot worse and everything like well we might actually have the offensive line to be able to um i'll say well cushion a lot of the lost uh effectiveness you get from patrick mahomes now obviously just came on here talked about how great the Bengals are how outstanding and um (laughs) how outstanding their roster their defense is um they're still probably gonna win this game 
But I do think that's a very interesting way of looking at things. I think that that is a um, <laughs> I I just think that that's a funny concept that a lot of people would push back on. Uh, you know, you get your sixty year old grumpy Chiefs uh, fans in here that just like, oh my god, no this this offensive line. I watch it with my own eyeballs every single play. Someone's chasing Mahomes. Like, like yes, but why are they chasing Mahomes? Let's just take this one step further here, buddy. Um, that's always been something that cracks me up. I do, um, want to talk about one last thing before I take us out here. We're going to have a short, shorter podcast today. Just me monologuing about some, uh, bullshit in here. I even, uh, (laughs) I, I want to talk about, okay. So, uh, before we get us out of here, I want to talk about something that over the last couple of years has became, um, I'll say great interest to myself. Um, It's really been this like evolution and increase in importance of the wide receiver position in, I say, college in the NFL. Uh, We, (laughs) as K State fans, um, really after Tyler Lockett leaves, yes, I know, I know, Byron Byron Pringle's been playing a lot in the NFL. Um, After Tyler Lockett leaves, you could just feel the explosiveness, lack of explosiveness. You could feel the dynamism that was just not there. Run after the catch. It feels like since uh, since Ty- or Jesus, since Tyler Lockett has been off of this Kansas State football roster, you've um, we've had to work for everything. We've had great players in this time. I shouldn't say. Yeah, you know what? Fuck it. We've had great players for K State in this time. Deuce Vaughn on offense trying to help us out, but still, even with a guy that's going to be an NFL running back, one of the most productive and uh, most efficient running backs in K-State history on our roster, um, you even look at a team like we're playing against Bama, and it's just, uh, or not even, you look at a team when we go to play a good team like Bama, and this offense, when it is playing good competition, playing good defenses, it just has to fucking work for everything. Why is that? I, in my personal opinion, well, it comes down to two things, lack of speed and mostly lack of receivers. We see across the NFL these, uh, <laughs> we, I joke about it here, um, you know, did uh, Josh Allen like really just all of a sudden over the course of an offseason figure out how to become accurate or did he acquire a Stephon Diggs? I uh, did Jalen Hurts figure out how to read NFL defenses, how to become a quarterback, become accurate, all this stuff. Or did he just acquire an A.J. Brown? You know, you see this tug and pull all the time in the NFL. And the wide receiver position is now finally starting to catch up. Um, I still think that there's uh, there's three things that happens with receivers. There's receivers that are just genuinely bad. There's receivers that are not very good, but they're used a lot. So people think that they're good. And then there's wide receivers that are just genuinely like fucking difference makers outstanding no matter what role no matter what you I shouldn't say no matter what role but um they're going to thrive in pretty much any offensive situation you put them in the NFL and they're going to change that offense um I kind of want to wrap this into talking about this rookie class that we have coming in the last couple rookie classes um just the the overall change in landscape we've seen at the wide receiver position every team seemingly can't get enough receivers you can you might have just like enough and great weapons to be happy with like something's going on in Philadelphia but I, I I don't think you can ever have enough you can never have enough talent at um at wide receiver available for yourself you're able to win just multiple spots on the field at the same time 
or when one player's when the uh, random route that uh, AJ Brown is not winning, Devonta Smith is winning type thing. Uh, that just creates so many outs for an offense. And when you're when you're doing that with explosive players, instead of having to generate a five, ten, fifteen play drive, you are completing a thirty yard pass, a thirty yard pass, and a forty yard touchdown. And then that three plays that you're you're asking your offensive line, you're asking your other players, you're asking your running back, whoever to ex- your coaching staff to execute on offense. Three plays, as opposed to working the ball down the field, having no mistakes, getting three yards a play. Because when you have three yards a play, you have no margin for error. Um, doing that twelve plays, executing a long drive. That just you're asking your offense, you're asking players like that to do something that's so much more difficult where your margin for error is so small. And these wide receivers just completely open that up for an offense. Um, we see the, these last couple classes with dudes like just last year, Drake London, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, just clearly, uh, I don't want to say, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. They're changing. They're completely changed their NFL passing offense when the day they stepped in there and then got better throughout the year. That's just, uh, you see this coming from college to the NFL now as the NFL kind of accepts a lot more college concepts and college wide receivers are just able to play a lot more. They're able college offenses are passing more than they did a decade than they did two, especially two decades ago. They're able to run more routes. They're able to get more snaps. They're getting better coaching when it comes to this stuff because the knowledge around what it takes to play these positions is getting better. And then you look back two years ago, obviously you see the Jamar chase, you see the, I, the, these wide receiver classes have been outstanding the past couple of years. You see the Jalen Waddles come in and immediately change an NFL team. Now we're starting to see receivers over this last year, especially. You see Devontae Adams change and completely, he, I mean, he is the Raiders passing attack. He completely just nullified basically what Hunter Renfro was and what uh, Darren Waller did in that passing offense. Now, <laughs> in my opinion, it comes back on coaching that when a great player shows up and all he does is take away from the other average to above average players like you should be trying to use all of your players rather than just uh not setting up everything but having a superstar is one thing but letting the superstar just take everything while not utilizing the rest of your roster is just poor coaching in my opinion um but you see you see the aj brown that we've mentioned you see um even christian kirk christian kirk's like a very fine and okay wide receiver but that addition to the jags helped and and some competent coaching, obviously. But Trevor Lawrence isn't where he is today without the addition of uh, Christian Kirk. Was there was he overpaid? Sure. I don't know who the fuck else he's getting. I mean, that's uh, it's just an addition that was not there the year before. For they're running out fucking converted corners at wide receiver and trying to make it work in Jacksonville the year before. Look at what the Chiefs are doing. I. I still am extremely high on a dude like Sky Moore, and we refuse to play him. The Chiefs are just kind of this like outlier situation, and it's why I've complained about it so much, saying that a shrub could do the job that our wide receivers and everything is doing right now. But the Chiefs are really the only situation in the NFL to have this, like, I don't want to say, not, and they don't even have no receiving uh, powers because you have the Travis Kelsey edition there. It's just, um, it's incredible what we've been seeing. And as I look ahead into this coming year's rookie class, um, I don't see what I have seen the last couple of years uh, where you're going to have a guy come in and just immediately 
Um, like I, I thought Garrett Wilson could step onto an NFL field and be a number one receiver on a lot of passing offenses. Ja- Jackson Smith and Jig was probably the closest thing because he physically did that at Ohio State. Like I, you've seen that, you've seen him do it. He did it at a young age. He's high recruit. There's just not a lot of, there's not a lot of question marks um, there for me. Um, when you look at the rest of the class, I know. Jordan, uh, I don't even want to go to Jordan Addison yet. Quentin Johnston seems like a just he he's the definition of a wide receiver that I'm genuinely not going to like. But uh, it it does crack me up. You're gonna hear a lot of people. I, one thing that pisses me off with him is you don't hear the Traylon Burks and Quentin Johnston like um, comparisons, and I'm not sure why. Uh, well, I I know why, but the reason why is a uh benefit to Quentin Johnston and should have been a negative for Traylon Burks but never was which was a major reason I pushed back on him because Quentin Johnston physically played X receiver he lined up on the outside and ran routes now he didn't run a complete route tree he ran a very vertical based route tree and a very bullshit offense from TCU um but he did that he did wide receiver things he was asked to stack corners he was asked to do stuff that you saw from a couple of snaps from Traylon Burks against Alabama and people freaked out about. Otherwise, he played essentially an extension of running back throughout the rest of the season. Um, I I actually, even Traylon Burks is even a guy, he played well enough in, in his rookie year of what, with what he was asked to do. I think he could develop into what people thought he was going to be, but expecting that guy to step onto an NFL field and do that immediately was just... A very, very, very tall ask to ask somebody to basically convert from playing running back to wide receiver and do wide receiver things. I think Quentin Johnston is already there. I think Quentin Johnston, um, he can do all of these things. Now you get into the, he's really big. He can go vertical and do all that stuff. That's all great. But what else can you add to the uh, to the passing attack? I know the, we'll see how he We'll see how good of an athlete he is because the DK Metcalf uh, comps, of course, are there. I know somebody just like threw their phone out a window hearing me just mention those two names in the same uh, sentence. But the reality is if Quentin Johnston is this big um, with the size that he has, I know DK is a little bigger. But if he, if he's that big and has that athleticism, you're starting to walk into comps of that type of range. And then uh, the reason I spend so much time on Quentin Johnston is because you get to the rest of this receiver class, obviously Jordan Addison highlighting and being the best of the bunch there. These like weird undersized, and uh, but the undersized receiver has really not not seen too much pushback uh, as they come into the NFL. Let's not forget that like Jahan Dotson and uh, Garrett Wilson, really even Chris Olave, aren't necessarily big receivers. That tall... Uh, but linky wide receiver that we see coming to the NFL all the time right now is really what you got the rest of the way here. Um, you look around the NFL at how many NFL teams just like God. We maybe we have one wide receiver one, but we just we gotta add that we gotta add that next guy. We need somebody else that can that better than Gabe Davis. Just like and to pull out Buffalo is a perfect example here. You are you also have so many teams just like the fucking. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Christian Watson fans, but the Packers, like, 
you have a Hall of Fame quarterback and you got nobody for him to throw to, maybe it'd be a good idea to give your Hall of Fame quarterback some weapons to actually be able to use. You think about that, how much that could help that, how much the Giants could have benefited from actually giving Daniel Jones somebody to throw to. God for fucking bid, Andy Reid plays our best white puts our best receiver on the field and actually utilizes them in Sky Moore. Um the point point with this entire discussion is I, I really just want to I say raise raise awareness, just kind of monologue a little bit, uh bring everybody's attention to how important this position is, how it can change an NFL offense. I mean it's a dude you bring in a dude like Josh Downs into an NFL offense and put him in the right I don't want to say put him in the right system because it's overused so fucking much. But like a dude like Amon Ross St. Brown that's really good at – I really, really, really good at a couple of things and then lacks a couple other things. You could say a lot of the same stuff about Josh Downs where he's got the athleticism, maybe doesn't completely understand how to play receiver. and um, you. But like getting the ball into his hands out wide and letting him do work – is how you could best use a guy like that while he develops the route running, while he develops more traits as wide receiver. Amon Ross St. Brown, already a great, a good route runner and a, a hardworking receiver, a over-the-middle, short, intermediate routes is just incredible coming into the NFL. What do the Detroit Lions do? They use him exactly that way. And to the point where they felt like they could just get rid of a dude like TJ Hawkinson because Amon Ross St. Brown does that stuff so well and you know what, fuck it, we can just use him in this Bud Light Cooper Cup role and build an NFL offense around that specific type of skill set. Then we add a dude like Jamison Williams, and then pretty soon this Detroit Lions team that went from just putrid offense, nothing burger, and was uh, perpetually underperforming to one of the best offenses in the league this year as they got some wide receivers, they got some weapons on offense, and just played them to the best of their abilities that uh that is the power that like just adding a dude because let's not amon Ross st brown's a fourth round pick like these wide receivers you you can get skill sets i don't want to say anywhere but you can get receivers that can do something well in a lot of places that's it's the most fence sitting answer you're ever gonna get but the point is that like even you'll get a dude like jalen hyatt what's he do he's fast and runs a vertical route trees like one of the most uh, just watching him. One of the most no-nonsense, I'm getting downfield. I don't give a fuck if I have to run five yards out of my way to avoid contact with the defensive back. I'm not stacking you. I'm not doing anything. I am just going to get down the field as fast as humanly fucking possible. And then my uh, very good college quarterback is going to lost something down there. I'm going to run under it. So simple. Ran a simple route tree. Didn't do anything else there. Probably wasn't even the best receiver on his own team. But you know what? Do I think he could step on an NFL field and be Darius Slayton for the Giants? Yes, I do. I think he could be Darius Slayton plus for the Giants. Just because you get him in here, you put him in that role, and it's something that you didn't have before. It's cheaper. Even that like Zay Jones edition for the Jaguars, where I'm just going to kind of run this vertical route tree, play X receiver, and do a... Do a couple things that's bet- slightly better than replacement level at receiver. I, I don't think we fully grasp and realize just how shitty and how low replacement level receiver is talent-wise in the NFL. And there are teams that are trotting out entirely too much of it as well. Um, we'll obviously cover more. I wanted to kind of use that to kind of step us into draft season as we are... Um, 
getting close to there. We'll be talking about it more on the podcast, of course, after um, the playoffs and after the Super Bowl. Then we kind of can dive much, much more into that stuff. So I'm going to be 100% honest. I have no fucking idea where I got cut off by the one-hour mark on Anchor. But we're just going to pop this motherfucker in here because I had monologued myself for an hour. Um, Nobody in this world loves listening to themselves talk apparently more than Gavin. Uh, No, I got a lot of opinions out that uh, stuck in the brain. Now they're on the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to them. Um, I'll get us out of here with a hot take that I I think a lot of people agree with me. Um, Some people just aren't going to care. And to those people, uh, go fuck yourself. So I want to talk about the reality that is uh, the correct way to use the microwave. And that is... um, like shutting off the, I don't care how long you're supposed to cook your food or whatever. Like you, you turn off the microwave, you open it up however you want to do it with one second left on it. And, um, I, you know, people at work been making fun of me for this, not going to lie. So just, a just a little, um, I want to say, uh, I got, I got that poise in the pocket, you know, when they're giggling at me and everything. And I'm, you know, staring the, uh, me and the microwave having a fucking stare down as it keeps going down at the same rate. Um, and then it gets to one second, pop it open, whatever. Dude's got to walk up to the microwave, he's got to hit cancel, and apparently that's just a big inconvenience for him, you know, whatever. But, no, um, if you use a microwave, um, so there's no downside to taking it out with one second left, right? Like, you open it up, um, you just, not only do you feel like a badass, because, uh, like, you know, you stopped with one second left, like, haha, you feel like you just diffused a bomb before it exploded or some bullshit like that. You didn't have to listen to the bullshit uh, song that the microwave just, like, victory laps with as it nuked your food. Um, that, like, you you get all that shit, but then, like, at the same time, your food's still cooked and everything. Like, there's no, there's no downside to not doing it either. It's just, it is what it is. You get all of the happiness... And then your food's not getting it. I'm sorry, your food's not getting any more nuked in that one second. Like that microwave is fucking quitting. It is done. It has no grit. It will not uh, experience any adversity and have any thought of its own. It, it's fucking done. It will fold like a cheap lawn chair when it hits zero. One second is one second away from zero. It's not nuking anymore. It's something that like frustrates the hell out of me. I'm shutting that motherfucker off with a second every time. Not two seconds, not three seconds. I'm getting my money's worth out of that fucking microwave. It's going to do its job, but I am still pulling that out at a second left. If you don't do that, I don't understand you. You're using the microwave wrong. It is, um, I've never read the instructions, but to my understanding, it says it in there. In my mind, if I made if I made a microwave, that's what I'm putting in there because that's what makes sense to use the microwave. Um, I feel like I I want to I want to hear this. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're not um, from America, you don't consider yourself American, whatever. Um, I want to hear like your opinions on this. I feel like it's an American thing that could be like um, extremely uh, like self centered and whatever of me. It's just like genuine curiosity to people in England. Stop the butt or stop the microwave. Do they let the microwave finish? Do British microwaves like behave different than uh, English microwaves? Do like um oh god I can't say that uh do <laughs> god damn it uh do South American microwaves just have a mind of their own and just like keep going beyond uh one second left zero negative one negative two like I I want to hear about that stuff I know what I do I feel like that's what most Americans do that's the correct way to use a microwave um but. Yeah, so I just wanted to rant about that for a little bit. Uh, Let me know what you think. Add this to the end of the episode. Um, I had a good time just uh, monologuing. I was uh, correct for 
an hour. I was correct enough that I could talk for an hour and not feel like I said anything incorrect. Um, so no, um, thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll be back all three of us next week. Um, it's a busy schedule. It's kind of, uh, tough sometimes, you know, we're all three quote adults now quote, whatever that is supposed to mean. So, um, sometimes got to go do adult shit. Uh, luckily we had the real adult show up and still able to do the show that we committed to. (laughs) Um, no, uh, thanks for tuning in everybody. Uh, we'll talk to you next week with hopefully a, uh, cats win over KU and the chiefs headed back to the super bowl. Thanks everybody.